Hey, this is Eastlake BBA, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you. We hope this builds your faith. Enjoy the message. My name is Jose, addict alcoholic. And um, I've been around for 34 years. I came in 34 years ago, and um, after about a year, I went out one more time. It didn't work. <clears throat> so I came back about 33 years ago on January 1st, and it's been programmed ever since. Um, you know, I, I, I started going to Cocaine Anonymous, and that switched around to NA, and then I finally found a sponsor after I went out uh, in AA. And he, he looked at me and he says, are you sure you want me to be your sponsor? And I said, yes. And he said, you to change everything. From the point of waking up in the morning to become aware of which side of the bed I used to get up from, I had to change that. So I remember 30 years ago when I got the phone call in the morning, he said, which side of the bed you wake up on? And I said, I really don't know. And he said, well, get back into bed and call me back. And so I went back into bed, and I realized that I always get up on the right, I, I get up on the right-hand side. I go back to the right-hand side, because okay, start getting up on the left. The sad part about it is, is that I came, and um, I came to believe that there was a power greater than myself, and it couldn't be me. And I, and I was going to a, an AA meeting every Monday night in, in San Francisco, 12 by 12. There's a lady there by the name of uh, Kathy, and Kathy said this. She said, you know what? I got my higher power, Louis, and it's a doorknob. And somehow, I grasped that and I said, that's awesome. As long as it's not me, then what's going to happen is, is Louis the doorknob. And I stayed, you know, whatever you're going to call it. Do I drunk? What are you going to call it? For five years with Louis as a doorknob. And I kept going to meetings and had sponsor, run the steps and stuff like that. And in five years, there was a guy in AA, and he said, hey, why don't you come to um, church? And I go, church? He says, yeah, Christian church. And I said, well, you know, you don't understand. You know, I've been a Catholic and stuff. I used to be an altar boy in, in South America. And I said, you know, I don't really want to go. And the time my wife said, um, let's go. All right, went to church. Went to this, this vineyard church in San Mateo up in Northern California. And I walked in and the people were wearing like, you know, Birkenstocks and shorts and stuff. They had a worship team and I freaked. And I went like, this is really, really weird. And so all of a sudden, they began to what I know, it's worship. And the pastor's name top of all was Charlie Brown. That even made it worse. And so I'm sitting going like, okay. People were very nice and stuff like that. I don't remember what Charlie said. And then um, we left the church, and then about Wednesday the next, the next, the next week, my wife goes, I'm going to church Sunday again. I go, what do you mean? We're going to go back to that place? She goes, yeah. All right, let's go to church. I went there three times. And um, I had five and a half years. And I called Charlie on the phone and says, hey, by the way, I've been coming to church for three times now, and I know how this works. You know, I need to talk to you, the senior pastor. He says, well, why don't you meet me? I walked into his office. And um, I told my story. I was born in South America, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. 
And he looks at me and he says, you know, um, wow. He says, you know, I think you need Jesus. I go, I don't need Jesus. I, I know Jesus. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. You know about Jesus, but you really don't know Jesus. I still don't remember. I was thinking about this today. I don't remember um, what he read in the Bible. And he said, um, you know, so you want to accept Jesus? And all of a sudden, it's like the Spirit of God hit me, and I began to cry, and I knew that something I needed to do, and so I, I gave my life to Jesus that day. I went to my car, and I went to open my, the, my car, and all of a sudden there was something different about me. Don't know what it was yet. And I fell in love with the church. Like, I started going to church. I was going to meetings. Oh, my gosh, life was totally cool. And then three months later, my wife decided to be with somebody else. Which is probably the toughest time that I've had in recovery up to this point, uh, you know, those nine months. And so I was reading, I was reading, I'm starting to, to read the book again with, with some people and stuff like that. And I love this paragraph that says this. Actually, we're, we're fooling ourselves for deep, deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. That's it, there's God inside, at least in this paragraph, it's the idea of God. So I believe today that I was born with that, that God somehow believed he created me, that God put that idea within myself. And I've been searching since I was born to connect with something that empty space that we do have is the ideal of God saying, you know what, there's something bigger. There's something that nothing's going to match inside of me. I don't care what it is. This big idea that there's probably a God bigger than me that possibly can love me, can care for me, and it's not me. And then he continues and he says, it may be obscured by calamity. Calamity, of course it was being abused, being in a Catholic church, and being in a really weird space with priests and stuff like that, by pomp, by worship of other things. What? Worship of other things. Drugs, alcohol, food, sex, porn, Everything about God, but never God. And getting addicted to every single thing that got involved myself in. Whatever it was, I did. To the max. I was a pro at it. But in some form or other, it is there. It doesn't matter what, you, what I have done. It doesn't matter how much coke I've done. It doesn't matter how much I've... Whatever the calamity of my life was, it says, but somehow... That never left. It was always there. Regardless of what we did, how much we used, or how much whatever, that ideal has never changed. Because the search began the minute I came out of the womb. Trying to connect people, circumstances, school, teachers, whatever it was. But that idea never left. For faith... Believing in something that hasn't happened yet is, is in a power, in a power greater than ourselves. It has to be something that's bigger than us. It just cannot be the God within. 
It has to be something outside of me that's way bigger than me. It couldn't be me. That's what he's saying. Greater than ourselves. And miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. What's the power? Has transformed my life. The person that came into this program 34 years ago doesn't exist anymore. Some of the parts of behavior, because of the steps, begin to change. We see my fears, I begin to see all that stuff that doesn't work because God begins to change from the inside out. And all the sudden become miracles. All of you, whether you're here for the first night or you have whatever amount of time. And demonstrate the power of God. So as we develop this program, what begins to happen is this. We begin to look at the first fourth step and what begins to happen is this. Oh my gosh. I resent it. People. And they will look at our stuff. If I'm to realize that in this world, looking to connect with the God of understanding and not connecting with Him created a lot of havoc. We lost everything. When I came in here, guys, 34 years ago, I was driving a stolen van in San Mateo, California, Zone, California. I left that morning going over the, bay, the San Mateo Bridge, and I was going to dump my van with me in it. No doubt. Two years before that, I was trying to kill myself every single night in thought. Not in action, by the way. When, when the lights were out, I was doing coke by myself. All I can think about is just taking my life. I couldn't do it. I was too much of a chicken. And even in recovery, when I came in, the first five years, I was still struggling with suicidal thoughts. It didn't leave me in one day. Once I came in here, it was like, oh my gosh. Part of it was like that. I had spiritual experiences all the time. When I was going to my, when I was going to my divorce, nine months into it, I heard an audible voice that night. And he said, you're gonna be okay. And I freaked. It was a booming voice in my apartment. I had a condo. And I got up out of my, my recliner, went outside, there was my sponsor and stuff like that. No. It's the only time I, listened, I heard God's voice. How do I was God's voice? Because then I went to bed that night, and next morning I had a complete plan for my life in my head, which I didn't have the night before. That's the God, that's the God, I, God I serve. So my spirit that I carry inside of me, right, what they're talking about here, Okay, in the third step, before the third step, he says that we're going to have a new spirit flow in. Well, the spirit of God, and I need to connect with the creator. Why? Because that's the power. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot, I tried. I cannot create power within myself. The power can only come from a higher power, which is not me. As I begin to develop and take an inventory and helping people, what begins to happen is that person that I was 34 years ago begins to die. And all of a sudden, we become attractive enough. But not because of me, it's because of him. He does the work. I just show up. I should be drinking and using tonight. That's my natural state. Sad, happy, Whatever. Let's do a line. Let's celebrate sadness. Let's celebrate happiness to become sad again. 
And so this creator that created me doesn't make mistakes. If you think by any chance there's something wrong with you in identity, get over it. Your creator never made a mistake with you. It's the thing that we do is the problem. It's our actions. As a human being, I'm perfect in his eyes. He recognizes me as Jose, my son, and he says this, I love you the way you are. Well, but I don't understand then. I'm blocked from God. No, I'm not. I cannot be blocked from the God that created me. I got to welcome him into my life and allow giving time to be able to do what? To participate in my life by helping me. Not necessarily by taking all my problems away. He doesn't do that. He doesn't take all my fears away. Sometimes God goes like this. Guess what? It's okay to be afraid. And I go, well, but you know, uh, really? It's like taking your arm away. I'm not going to do that. You stop doing it over like 30 times about the same thing. Maybe what I can do is go to God and go like this. You know what? Whatever you want to call him, help me with my fear. And I begin to look at him and not the fear. What begins to happen is the fear gets smaller. If I continue to look at the fear, I don't care how many times I turn it over, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that becomes a mess. And by the way, I'm talking to everybody about my fear. And then I go, this guy's not working. Why? Well, he didn't take it away. Well, maybe he's not going to. Well, let me do another fourth step. Like that's going to do it. See, God is not like me. It says in step 11, it's going to discipline us, but not to torture us. He's going to discipline us because he loves us and he knows what's best for us. He takes something away from you is because he has something better for you in store. He never leaves you like an orphan. Like my dad did. See, the minute I was born as a baby, my dad left. 45 years, I thought it was my fault. Until I realized that I had the kind of father that would leave a baby behind. And what did God do when I read that part that says, I'm his child and he's the father? What did he do? Replace what I needed from my dad. And I don't need my dad. I need his approval. I don't need him. Why would I? What I need is a father can run to and go like this. I'm hurting. There's the prayer. I offer myself to you. What's that mean to me? I offer myself to you the way I'm right now. I'm hurting. Well, I'm not supposed to be feeling that way. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> of course I'm supposed to be feeling this way. We go to God, well, you know, I'm afraid, but you know, I'm not supposed to be feeling this way. Really? Instead of going like this, I offer myself to you the way I am right now. I'm petrified. I'm insecure. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say sometimes. And I don't go like this, take it away from me. I go, help me with this. And what happens is, instead of looking at the circumstance, whatever it is, I lift my eyes to him, and guess what happens? The circumstance automatically changes. Why? Because I go from isolation to solitude. 
in isolation, all by myself, feeling sorry for myself. In solitude, I still feel the fear, the insecurity. But then he comes in, he's with me. So we do it together. That's the whole point. And I'm never, I'm no longer alone. I don't care how lonely I feel. I don't care how hurt I feel. It doesn't matter. Because he's with me all the time. The question is, how do we, how do we take the time to allow him to do that? Well, we go and we sit. We begin to know him. Coming to find out that he's looking for me all the time. That he wants to help me. He wants to love me. He wants to care for me. So I don't have to look very far. He's hovering over me all the time. Come on, let me help you. Come on, let's do it my way. No, 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 I don't need you right now. I'm going to call my sponsor instead. I'm going to go help a newcomer instead. God goes, okay, that's good. Well, when you look at me, is that what the whole book says? Almost every single page. Establish a relationship with your creator. Why? Because he knows exactly what we need all the time, even though we don't. He's got the secret of what we need to have a sober life. Is it difficult? Oh, yes. Sometimes it's a killer. We are going to hurt. We're going to feel lonely. But on the other hand, we're going to be happy, joyous, and free, which never were before. Thanks. Jose, thank you so much. I can pray with my spirit, or I can pray with my mind, right? I believe that. I was asked to consider what my true self was, right? And let it come to me, not with my mind, but with my spirit. It's something changes when you do that. When I pray with my mind, it's rat, 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 right? When I pray with my spirit, I get quiet, small, still, and sit there and listen. That third step prayer, right? The bondage of self. The bondage of self. Bill Wilson could write, huh? That stuff has become poetry to me, right? It really is. To me, it has become a scripture, and I believe it is. My favorite line in the whole big book, page 164, we read it all the time, right? But before that thing that we read, every, a lot, Bill Wilson says this. He says, though you may say you will not have benefit of those of us who wrote this book, we cannot be sure God will determine that. That is stunning to me, right? I was meditating one day. I get a phone call. What are you doing? I'm meditating. I'm praying for conscious contact with Bill Wilson. <laughs> Right? I wish I'd directed them right back to the literature, right? But it took me a long time to, to see the light on that one, right? But listen, I feel the presence of Bill Wilson and those first hundred sober alcoholics, and you're right. There is the undeniable presence of God is here, right? When you're working with another human being trying to 
pull them up out of the, the mire of the darkness of the mind, right? There's the undeniable presence of God, right? He's always been there. We cannot lose God, right? We can forget him, right? But he's always there. She's always there, right? I've had this experience with a tree lately, right? That I don't have time to get into here, but uh, real shortly, I, my wife had this just reaction every time I'd trim a tree, just this violent reaction, emotional, right? And they cut four coral trees down at the J Street uh, boat ramp, right? And I see the same reaction on a dozen women, and I go, there's something more here. So I go home. My wife's emotional, right? One of the ladies called down to the Port of San Diego, right? Got hold of the person that was in charge. He's aware of what's going on. They've taken all the steps they can. The trees that they cut down were dying. We would like to come down Tuesday and talk to you about what to replace the four trees with. We're going to plan eight. And so I said, hey, you know, what, what should we recommend? And I said, why don't you go get that tree book? And she brings back three tree books. And the one I opened starts talking about the spiritual connection between a tree and the human race and the universe, right? That, and it just, it was a moment of clarity, right? Something I'd forgotten, right? A T.S. Eliot poem that we read all the time, that, right, will be to return where we first started and see it for the first time. The end of that poem says the reason we got lost is because we didn't know to listen to it, right? And the only way that we can listen to it is in that stillness, right? That stillness of your soul. You get there and, and nobody, nothing, right? You're indefensible with Hey everybody, my name is Mike. I'm an addict and an alcoholic. Um, I don't know that I've ever heard the concept of God outlined in a more profound way than what you shared, Jose. Thank you so much. It, it, it really resonated with me. Um, tonight after this meeting, I have an opportunity to do my first real 12-step call in a long, long time. And the individual is somebody that's a close friend of mine. In this case, he's having trouble with crystal meth. And um, he said, I really need to talk to you. And of course, I'm going to be there. Even before I got to the meeting tonight, I knew that the only solution I have to offer is a spiritual solution. I can't do harm reduction. I can't do just flush your drugs down the toilet. What was only, the only thing that's ever really worked for me over time, and I've been an addict for years. I've been clean and sober for 20 years, and I went out. The only thing that's ever really worked is a relationship with God. And the closer I get to God, the better my life becomes. And I keep trying to take it back and take it back I just broke up with somebody I really didn't want to break up with, but that person's using drugs. And I finally said, I can't do this anymore. It broke my heart, it really did. I mean, there was an emptiness. And guess what, I'm not feeling that so much right now. I get to go take, take somebody that is hurting, that's done everything I have with meth and drinking, and tell them what's worked for me, and listen and be compassionate. How fortunate am I to be able to do that tonight? So I'm really glad to be here right before that call. Thank you. I'm Natasha. I'm an alcoholic. Thank you, Jose. That was so beautiful. And I'm so grateful that I got to witness that share. And um, yeah, so the idea of God, I, 
I just want to say that you've, you've changed my life and my relationship with God and my relationship with the world and others around me. It's just, I'm not the same person that I was a few years ago. And, um, I just never knew that it was just okay to be me and, uh, <laughs> that I could be afraid that I could not, you know, feel perfect all the time. And that it's perfectly okay. And that makes me, you know, human. That makes me who I am. And I kind of look at my fears today and I've, look at them as opportunities to remember that I'm, you know, walking with God and that I'm not alone. And um, for the longest time, even years into my sobriety, I was so fragmented and I was so full of fear that I, I couldn't function as a, as a, as a, as a wife, as a mother. Um, I was doing horrific things. You know, I was suffering with an eating disorder that was killing me. I was acting out outside my marriage. I was, um, full of fear. I was looking to my husband to fill that emptiness that I felt inside. And then I was looking to others and I was looking to food and I was a mess. And, um, and I'm just so grateful that the solution is, is God, (laughs) because how much simpler does it get? You know what I mean? I just, I don't have to do everything I was doing. I was, it was exhausting. I was staying up all hours of the night. I was, I had the food out. I had the internet open on dating sites. I had um, the TV on. I am, my son was sleeping. He was a baby and my ex-husband was working and I was just completely immersed in all of this outside stuff. And I was so separated from feeling, you know, the presence of God, you know, I felt completely isolated and, um, and I'm so grateful that I don't have to live that way today, you know, that I can wake up and I can turn to God with my first thoughts, you know, and to direct my thinking, to direct, um, who he would have me be and not just like, what am I going to do and everything like that? Just what would you have me be? And, um, and it's not all of those things I was before. That's not who I am. You know, that's me searching for something that, that's, that doesn't need to be fixed. You know, I just needed to have God's love. And, um, and, I, and I just cultivate that relationship today by, you know, doing my prayer and meditation, by being disciplined, you know, in the AA program. It helps me to keep that relationship growing. And um, like it says, I relapsed after 18 years, and it, and it says to enlarge our spiritual life. You know, if, if I fail to enlarge my spiritual life, you know, that's what happens. And, um, and it happens sometimes without me even knowing that I'm not, that I'm not doing it. So I just um, do the disciplines of the program, and it seems to be working so far. So thank you. Hi, I'm Lindsay. I'm an alcoholic. Um, So thank you so much, Jose, for your lead. That was beautiful. Um, I had a really simple realization that came to me actually through a 10-minute speaker the other night, which... I'm going to say this to you. I only <clears throat> have just over nine months of sobriety, and this is my first time in AA, and I didn't grow up in a household where God was talked about, um, and certainly there were no religious practices. So my relationship with God um, is developing, and it's developing really quickly, which I am really enjoying, actually. Uh, so it's nice. I mean, I'm sure there's always been a relationship there, to your point. Um, I think under, underneath everything from a very young age, uh, I was very comfortable in nature, for example, and there were probably things that were whispers of God that I didn't have an outlet for, right? Uh, and then, you know, fast forward and my alcoholism and my drug addiction is, or those were the ways that I tried to fill that emptiness in my life. Um, so the speaker the other night, he said, and I'm going <laughs> to reuse this every time I can, 
um, but that I was born into this world as an alcoholic. Uh, so that takes some pressure off, right? So that like all this time that I think I spent really not wanting to admit to myself that I was at times, you know, an addict, but definitely an alcoholic um, because it was something that I felt like was wrong with me, right? Like something that needed correcting or something I was embarrassed about. And, and rather than looking at it like that, knowing that I came out of the womb as an alcoholic, like sets me up because it means that I am here with a pretty specific purpose, actually. Uh, it's so that I can share uh, the things that definitely didn't work when I was stuck in my addiction. I can share that with another alcoholic. I can hopefully tell my story and somebody might identify, right? So that then I'm sharing and passing on um, my struggles because I think that when we hear each other's struggles, it's how we get stronger, right? I mean, I sit in a meeting sometimes and I don't want to say it, but it, it feels good to hear someone else's hurt and pain and what they've gone through. Not, not because it feels good to see someone suffering, but because I identify. Um, and that's how I know I'm in the right place. So me knowing that I came into this world as an alcoholic, that that was entirely part of God's plan makes me feel like right now in this moment, we're all in the right place. Like this isn't an accident, you know, um, that we were all put here into this space together to share this experience. Um, helps me every moment of every day. So uh, like Natasha just said, getting up every morning and practicing that ritual. So sometimes, I mean, for me, praying to a God that I, <clears throat> I didn't pray to growing up. So this is, again, this is a relationship that I'm strengthening. But like anything, like the, like the steps in the book, um, it, it is just taking practice and knowing that if I do this every morning, it's already working. It's already, I feel it working. So getting up and, and talking to God and being able to talk to God all day, like he'll listen, right? I mean, this is the fun thing for me about it right now. Um, but being able to get up and pray and then do some meditation, because the meditation for me is right now where I get to listen um, and just be quiet and hopefully hear God. Uh, so that's all I have. Thank you. Hi, my name's Arlene. I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. Um, that was such a great, amazing share. Um, <clears throat> I've been sober for eight months now, and I have had some of the most amazing spiritual awakenings. Um, and I've always kind of had them, but because I did a lot of drugs and drank a lot, I was always scared to speak on them or listen to them. I think I just need another beer. Um, you know, and, uh, but I always, since I was very young, I always had an image of a warrior, a female warrior. Always, um, especially when I, when, you know, because my dad has a lot of Aztec stuff. So the Aztec princess warrior or, or, or just a, a woman with a very sharp knife and armor, uh, even like a boxer, like a boxer woman. I've just always have had like a warrior, a female warrior image, just like it, very vivid in my mind. But I didn't understand it until I started coming here. I started going to church. Um, I took the rooted class here at church and, and there's a section on, you know, like our prayers and, and it said on one of the homework assignments is like, okay, after you're done with all of this, sit still and listen to what God wants to tell you. And so I did that and 
then the word prayer and, and the image of a warrior. And then like it's like a prayer warrior, like pray with people. And so I, I was just like completely blown away. I was like, oh my God, like, you know, I never would have like combined both, especially with my background. Um, but that's what I do now at church is I, I pray with people, um, you know, and, and I had the, the experience of, you know, and, and one of just one, when you're first getting sober and you're heartbroken and you just have all this stuff going on in your mind, you know, I just remember sitting there and crying and crying and, and talking to God and, and then thanking him and thanking him. I remember now it was like right after the guy I was dating busted my lip open um, and thanking him for not just my guardian angel, angels, but my warrior angels. And I sat there and I literally felt the presence of seven angels like sit with me, put their arm around me and kiss my face. And I cried with them for hours and hours. It was the most beautiful, amazing thing. I, I can't share that outside of here because they might put a white jacket on me and throw me in a <laughs> pillowed room. Um, but it, I, I know it was God. And I know that that experience is exactly what it was. Um, I have not stopped praying and talking to God throughout my entire day. Um, I, I, first, I still didn't really understand the concept of how God really loves us, um, that we are the children of the Most High God. Until doing the workshop, Oliver made us think of ourselves like before we started doing drugs. And then also, okay, what if your 12-year-old daughter was to tell you that she's worthless because her boyfriend dumped her or hit her. And so like that really sunk in. And I, I have four kids. I had the privilege of having my first child very young, which before I kind of would let society, you know, make me feel uncomfortable about that. But now I'm like, God makes no mistakes. I am so glad. Like I was 18, 24 hours later, I my jeans and flip-flops with breastfeeding and cooking with the other hand because you're, you're young, so your body bounces right back. It's like the best time to have a child. And, um, you know, I, 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 I went through all of that. I, I see my children, and the one that I most have problems with is my oldest because she's a mini Arlene. She loves her alcohol. Um, and even though she tries to reframe from it because of me, she can't really... Control the alcohol when she starts drinking. She's she's a binge drinker like I am, um, and she has some traits that I did when I was young. You know, as a young mom, um, but she's perfect. I mean, if you ask me if there's something wrong with any of my children, I will tell you to f off. There's absolutely nothing wrong with them. My my oldest son, he's always getting high. Sometimes I don't understand anything he says because he mumbles. You know, um, but to me, my children are just, they're perfect. There is, nobody can come and tell me that there's something wrong with any of my four children. And that, the, I put the concept together, like, no matter how tweaked out I was, no matter how drunk I was, no matter how dumb I was being with, you know, someone putting hands on me, I was still the most perfect child that God was not going to let anyone talk bad about. Just the way I see my children, but with him, it's even in a greater scale of perfection 
and the love that he has for me. That's kind of how I see that with, with God in my life. Thank you. Thank you, Jose, for your lead. Yeah, I feel really grateful, you know, like um, for me, that's God's presence because before, no matter what, um, I didn't see anything positive. You know, I had a lot of good stuff going on. And I didn't see it, you know, with family and my wife. You know, I got two beautiful grown-up kids, and and um, I'm just grateful, man. I mean, honestly, I, I um, now that I'm, I mean, I started as an altar boy going to church, and and um, and throughout the years, you know, um, this uh, God presence has grown on me. I know before it was my mom, right? They make us go to church and. My 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 family's from Tecate, and they have a really strong relationship with the priests over there, and they go to the parties and drink with us. And and again, um, you know what I'm grateful now is I I get to go to trips, you know, with my family and not mess it up. You know, we went to Guanajuato for about seven days, and I haven't been here in a couple Mondays, you know. But I've been in service. I went to a mentorship program with um, 15 young kids and all these mentors that are part of a mentorship program here in Spring Valley. And, and we're in Santa Isabel. Um, and, and we had an awesome retreat, three-day retreat, man. It's like 30-hour community service. And that was not me before, you know, so I know that's God. And they're going through a lot of struggles, you know, parents in prison or, you know, some they're not around, they're addicts, you know, and, and they need somebody to listen, you know. And I'm there now to do that with my kids, my grandkids. And... um I got twins. Uh, we have twins in the family, and the, and I'm just grateful, man. I, I when I'm with my granddaughters, I feel that presence, you know, just hugging them and listening to them. And man, I did an awful job. When my my daughter's 18 and my son's 24, and I, I'll tell you, um, when my daughter was doing Florico down here in Chula Vista on the Lemon Festival, I tend to call it. I was at Bella's Pizza, and I'm like trying to get my buzz on, and my wife's like, "Hey, she's about to dance." And I was mad because I couldn't get my buzz on. And then I was mad because I wasn't enjoying the dance, you know. So that's my life before. So now I just have a way better life, man. I'm grateful I have my father around, which I came here and all I did was talk about all the trauma we went through. Anyways, all the trauma that I went through life, it's, it's helping me one way or another connect with those young kids because I'm able to share my stories, you know. So, um, yeah, God doesn't make any mistakes. So thank you. <laughs> My name is Oliver and I am an alcoholic. Jose, thank you, man. That was beautiful, like always. And, uh, and you know, the, the, the word that came up to mind as I was listening to all of you all, and it was how fragile I am. You know, in reality, how fragile I am. You know, I don't know about you, man, but I woke up every morning, and some days I woke up, and I wake up, and I, I, I know I can, I can eat the whole world. The whole world is mine. And by afternoon, man, I'm doubting myself again, you know? And, uh, you know, Jose taught me one thing, and, and, and for that I would always be grateful. And uh, he used to tell me to, to, to go and carry the message and to do whatever I did when I was doing it with my weakness, not with my strength. And I never understood that. You know, because there's nothing that I hated more than vulnerability, you know? For me to feel weak, man, that was, that was like a sin. I mean, for me to feel uh, afraid, I always uh, 
told myself that I was a coward, man. So, so feeling vulnerability for me has always been really hard until now. You know, um, I'm weak, therefore I'm strong. There's something in the Bible that talks about that. It goes much, much further than that. But, you know, I had to go through everything that I went through, man, in order for me to finally let go. And, 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 and it's, it's, it's very difficult to explain what that is in words because it's not something that, that, that's rational. I mean, I remember I, I used to tell Jose, man, I've been reading this book that day. I says, what you need to do is stop reading, man, start living a little bit and be with God, because I have read all the books, man. I saw my library the other day in Kindle, man, and it's, it's insane because I wanted that connection so desperately, right? Why? Because I am selfish and I am fragile. You know, whatever God gave me all my life was never enough. I always wanted to fill it up with more, with more money, more sex, more food, more, 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 you know, and that's, and that's the spirituality that I was born with, man. That's just the way it is. So, you know, nowadays I, I, I get like that. I still get like that, man. I can't, I can't run away from my humanity, and that's something I have learned here. You know, fear is always going to be there, always. You know, I remember Jose telling me, God is not going to take it away. Ask him to be with you through the fear, and he's so right. Because his fear is there, you know. And today I understand that I can lead with my weaknesses, not my strength. Today, I understand that my weakness is what makes me great. My vulnerability is what makes me great in the Son of God. You know, that tenderness in my heart, I, I didn't create that. That's something that God gave me. And, uh, but I had to go through all of that, man. I'm, I'm really stubborn. I, uh, I used to have a very strong will, really, really strong will. Uh, they used to call me the manipulator, man. There's not a thing that I couldn't get away from or, or get from you. I mean, I was very good with words, so I had to lose it all, man, and truly look at myself and, and see how vulnerable and how fragile I am and how much I needed that power, right? I remember going to, to, to church and look at all these Christians, man, I used to hate them because they were glowing, you know? They had this glow in their mind. I said, man, all these people are just brainwashed, man. Look at these guys. <laughs> They're coming out of church all happy, and, and, and you know, but I mean... They're always happy. You know, I finally accepted Christ, and, and when I did, I mean, like Jose said right now, I mean, I, st I accepted Christ, and my whole world fell apart. I didn't have that beautiful experience that, oh, fuck, I got this peace and money and jobs. And no, it was the other way around. I remember telling everybody, man, what's this deal with giving it away to God? I mean, I gave it away and took it all. <laughs> So it's hard to understand God's will, man. It's just, it's just today I just try to accept what it is and, and, and to understand every day that there is a God. He has always been with me. I mean, if I look back at my life, I shouldn't be standing where I'm standing today. I did a lot of crazy stuff. I abused my body in a big way. I go for, for, for um, general, I mean, for a checkup every year. And last year they brought back all my stuff, man. I'm, I'm super healthy. I smoke my, like a chimney, man. My lungs are fine. I did a lot of pills. I did a lot of drugs. I, I mean, I did a lot of stuff, and I'm here. So there's no accidents, no. You know, today I believe that I was created with a purpose, and I have to carry that purpose with intention. And that's what's in front of me. I remember to tell say, I want to know God's will. She's telling, well, you're looking at it. The only problem is that you don't like it, but 
It's right in front of you, and, and, and that's what I have to understand today. So I'm, I'm extremely grateful with Jose. He has sponsored me, and I have seen him privately for a long, long time, and, and uh, I had to come up here and, and celebrate that with you. And uh, just life is, life is good now that I, know, that I know that there's a God, and it's not me, man. It's just, it's, it's just good. Thank you. Hi, my name is Hugo. I'm alcoholic. Oh. Jose, you awesome. Uh, I was remembering when, during my alcoholism, a cousin of mine gave me a shot of heroin here. And that happened after I have a lot of drinks. And I went to overdose. I am from Puerto Rico, and the roads over there in the country, there are many trees. And I saw the trees coming like this. I said, oh my God, I am overdose. And I asked Christ, save me from this, and I will save you. And he did. In less than five minutes, everything was gone. And then, when I come, came to Alcoholic Anonymous, and in the 12 by 12, in the first step, says that alcoholism is an obsession of your mind with a combination of a physical allergy that can take you to death or to go to a manicomio, a crazy house. That's the fate. And then in Alcoholic Anonymous, uh, I have realized that God brought me here. I didn't come. He brought me. He made me through suffering to back in 1995, January the 3rd, to call the uh, district, AA district office in Puerto Rico, in San Juan, and to make a call. It took me three days to make that call. Uh, my last uh, drink was on December 31st, which proved me I only have one shot. When I went to pay the gas station over there, we know everybody, and when I paid that, the owner of the gas station came in with a shot of Chivas Regal. And my alcoholic mind like that said, if this is Chivas Regal, I cannot say no. <laughs> And I was six months over because I had a DUI before. I took that drink, went to my house, prepared to go to my aunt Christmas, uh, New Year's party. And I went, and in Puerto Rico, they sell like a little bar in the patio. And, and I stood there and started drinking compulsively until I, I passed out and I could not drive back home. And my wife back drove back with my kids and myself during that evening. And I woke up the other day. And when I made that call and I went to my first meeting, I saw people happy, laughing, enjoying life. They were not having long faces. They were happy. Then I met a couple of friends of mine 
who I haven't seen for a long time, and they were in AA before me. And from that day on, and then God bring me to California. And you know, when I woke, woke up one day, and I felt such a quietness, such a calmness, you know, that I said, what is going on? And I felt that. And when I realized that the God that I have learned here doesn't care what I have done in the past, it is the opposite way around because the literature says that God allows us to go through all those hardships to give us a spiritual instrument so we can talk with a new one. And in less than half an hour, they will identify because I'm going to tell them things that they have experienced. And then, uh, God, I don't know, <laughs> he, he came, he, uh, parallel to my sorority, I've been in a Christian religion for a long time, and my pastor from Puerto Rico, which they moved here, uh, I was made a healing minister. And I said, what, how in the world a drug addict and a drunk like me could be a healing minister? And I have seen miracles. And God is doing miracles. As the pastor Jose, Jose said, I am supposed to be drinking tonight and using drugs. But I am not, thanks to AA. Thank you. Hi, I'm Luis, alcoholic. Jose, thank you for coming down from Oceanside to be with us today. You know, um, I've read this passage before, but I've never heard it the way he just, the idea of God, right? I've heard it different, but you pointed it out. The third step prayer really didn't seek in until he actually explained it to us. Then I saw the word care of God. This concept of a loving God didn't really sink in until Jose, actually. Uh, we were in a session, and, and he asked me, um, what do your children have to do in order for you to love them? I got two. I got a, today, uh, they're 11 and uh, 7, and I looked at them, but this is six years ago, and I said, nothing. He said, exactly. That's, you don't have to do anything for God to love you. He loves you as you are. And I just wept. Because this idea of God, before I got here, the only idea of God I had was a punishing God. And I walked away. I told God when I was nine years old because of stuff that had happened to me. I was molested as a child. And so the only idea of God was the one that was being poured down into me by my family, which was a punishing God. And so, you know, I too, growing up, did not feel loved. In fact, I felt like I was the problem. My family was going through a lot of stuff. My parents were always fighting, and, and I was the one that was taking it from them. One had a belt, and the other one had a hanger. And then, you know, and, and, and when I spoke up, they, you know, about being molested, they, they quieted me down. And then I grew up for so many years thinking that it, did it really happen or did it not? 
And so that was the only idea I had of God until I got here. And, you know, um, I, I hit bottom before, I, three days before getting to my meeting. I literally got on my knees and I asked God, help me just get to a meeting. The only concept of meetings was what Hollywood was pushing out. And thankfully, that's not what the meetings are about. So much more. Right. I heard that night. Let us love you until you learn to love yourself. And so before I can even look at this idea of God, I'm starting. People are saying, let us love you. Right. And, And Michael invited me to the workshop and I said yes. And I was you know, I was afraid the night before because these guys, these women, men and women were just so much about God. And I just wanted to be sober. Right? <laughs> it's so funny, right? Because I, and yet, I mean, if you've, I got so much books and so much reading and so much knowledge and yet, I don't know anything, right? But, so I can imagine if you're sitting here, some of us have had this idea of a punishing God, but thankfully, you know, the big book points us towards this loving God. And so I was on fire for this program from the get, you know? And then some stuff happened at home and I reached out to Tyla for help. And she said, honey, let me connect you with this Pastor Jose. You need to talk to him. And I reached out to Jose and and he called me back and we spoke. And... um, over the phone, right? And here's the thing. Go back to this paragraph. Actually, we were fooling ourselves. I was so fooling myself. See, I had recovered, and I thought that was it. This whole point of this program is to recover. But there's more. There's so much more. Right? We don't really hear that too much. But I want you to know that there is more than just recovery. Right? For deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. So now I do believe in a loving God, but I still don't have that strong connection, right? It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp and by worship of other things, including my wife. She's one of my higher powers, right? Are we not to cherish our wife? And if I don't really have God at the top, then I don't really know how to cherish my wife without making her my higher power, right? And then when she messes up, then it's like, oh, it goes back to the, you know, and I just don't know how to be a loving husband, right? I don't. And so, obscured by calamity, by pomp worship, but in some form or another, it's there. For faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that in power in human, wait, miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. If you ever got to hear, uh, I'll wrap it up soon, with Father Mike at Old Town Meeting, he would come to the meetings. Here's a priest, and he would say, I see more miracles in this Old Town Meeting than I do in my own church. And what you don't know is that today, Jose mentioned Charlie Brown. I didn't know who Charlie Brown was. I've heard him mention him. I didn't know who he was. He mentioned the Vineyard Church. I'm in a book by John Wimber, you know, uh, Power Evangelism, and he talks about the fact that this miraculous demonstrations in today, right? Jose has no idea. We haven't had this conversation, but it's so true. The life I have today, would, it doesn't exist without me, God sending Jose into my life, and then Jose just pouring in and encouraging, right? 
Like, I get to do some really cool stuff now, right? If you're worried about money, yeah, I, I too went to the point where I was living at my mom's house going through a divorce. Today, I got three sources of money coming in, right? Just three years ago, I was at home, my mom's house again, right? And, and, and God set it up through BBA, believe it or not. I would have never imagined it that, that without going into too much detail, that full circle, when I said, I want to partner with you, God's like, I got you, right? And the doors he's opening, Jose said to me once, and let me just share it with you. He said, I had, this is the second time I've met him with him. And he said this, let my floor be your ceiling. And he said, if one day you are at Estadio Azteca and there's 100,000 people there to, to hear you, like little steps that I've taken towards that. It wasn't my dream. It wasn't his dream. But you need someone like Jose around you that is encouraging you and that is helping you develop that deeper relationship because there is more than just recovery, right? God has a better future for you than you can imagine if you will surrender your agenda and take up his. Thanks. Octavio Alcoholic. All right, so we're here to celebrate sobriety. So is anybody here? We're less than 30 days. Uh, hello, my name is Freddie Alcoholic. Hi. Hi. Um, so uh, maybe about a, a week before Christmas, um, I had a really bad uh, night. I went out, got, got drunk, blacked out, and had a really bad experience with my partner, with my relationship. And the next day I woke up, I didn't remember anything just blacked out, was like if nothing happened, I usually would do it before that. And finally, uh, my partner decided she couldn't do it anymore. She helped me a lot. Um, before that, prior to this uh, event that happened, um, uh, three years ago, I got my D, uh, DUI, and she was there helping me through it. I, I actually came to some meetings and did all the classes, the MAC pro program in Chula Vista and everything. And I stayed sober for two months after that. Then I went right back to it, just basically just did it for the program. And then now realizing what, what it has caused, what I have lost, um, what I haven't been living. Like now that I've been sober for the past uh, 25 days, I've been experiencing a lot of uh, spiritual awakenings and feeling a lot of emotions and and uh, sadness and happiness and just um, emotions that I wouldn't feel on the daily basis because I would just drink a beer and that would take all my worries, all my happiness, emotion, just be numb. And like after this event that happened to me with losing a seven year uh, relationship, uh, me thinking that I was, me having a plan, like this goes back to uh, God. Um, I know I had my plan. Yeah, I, this is the relationship that I have. This is what I'm doing. This is my work. Uh, I'm going to get married with this person. This is what I'm going to do next year. And then boom, God, I feel like this was God telling me like, whoa, like slow down. You, you're, you're not doing this, I have a plan for you. This is not what you want. And 
I didn't realize that. I didn't see that. And I'm still learning that. But today has been one of those days, just this meeting, that I realized that it's his plan. It's not what we want. And if we follow it, his plan, it's, it's, it's amazing. I've been blessed. Um, and I got a sponsor now, Tom. And it's really, it's really great. Thank you, Tom. Thank everybody here for having me here. Right. Thank you. All right. Um, well, anybody with like uh, 90 days? Hi, Anna Alcoholic. I didn't mean to steal the show right here, but yeah. this is my beautiful young lady that I have that God brought to me, and that's my that's my three months. So good job. Oh, I love you, and now you have to stay sober. Thank you. <laughs> I have to share. Okay. Hi, Elena, alcoholic. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really grateful to have three months this month. Um, feels like it's been a long time, um, but I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about myself this past three months, and I was just thinking about um, how far, like how much God has really transformed me these past months. Um, Last Thursday, I was here in the same room, um, first time volunteering for with the high school kids here at the church, and it was really cool to just see how, um, like, the, the message was about how Jesus, as a shepherd, you know, he has these 99 sheep here, but he still will go and chase after the one that's running away, and, like, I felt like, you know, I was the one running away, and Jesus, um, he, he ran after me, and, and he's... he's um, yeah, really just helped me during this time, and, and yeah, thank you. <laughs> all right, um, uh, what about one year? Anybody have a year? Six. Six years, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. I love you too, man. Thank you. As your sixth year. Thank you. Thank you, Oliver Alcoholic. Just really quick. And you know, it's funny, but a lot of people that helped me get this are here. Jose, Luis, Mario, Mikey. I mean, you guys heard me through so much stuff. Ujito, Natasha, a long time ago, man. Since over there, I mean, and man, did I struggle. And do I struggle sometimes. Uh, this is a daily thing. You know, it doesn't matter. I mean, for me, it doesn't matter. It gets a little bit easier with time, but this is a daily thing, man. And then, Chef, Kari, I mean, with God sent me all these beautiful angels to my life that were able to, to grab me six years. For the newcomers, it gets real good, man. It gets really, really good. Thank you. Thank you. I want to make sure we don't miss anybody. I think you're celebrating. This is my dear friend, Jose. Today, I, I, I call him my spiritual father, but, but when it all started on a, two strangers on a telephone call uh, in March 2017. And, uh, you know, if you don't know Jose, do not miss the opportunity, right? We live one day at a time. We don't know what we have tomorrow. Do not miss the opportunity to talk to him so he can listen because he's truly one of the people that I've come in in my life that literally will just listen and validate and just pour into you. And you know, we so often hear 
don't talk about God because you're going to scare the newcomer. And yet, how is it that the, one of the most attractive people in this room is the one that has just the, the man of God, right? And so don't let this room be full of fear, right? Let it be a fear of, of, full of hope, right? We only have one chance to tell someone God loves you. There's a loving God, right? Uh, God has a plan for you. Because we don't know if they're going to come back, you know? And so I am so grateful for God bringing this man into my life. And uh, today I get, um, get the honor to present him with a 33-year chip. So tell him how you did it, young man. You know, you know uh, Jose, alcoholic addict, you know what's funny? Only meeting when you get a donut. That's awesome. Um, you know, uh, and it's great to hear, you know, how to help people and stuff like that. And, you know, just the ability to be able to be able to listen and to just figure out some stuff with people and stuff like that. But but when you've been around this long, right, everybody goes like this, oh, my gosh, 33 years. And yeah, 33 years is cool. What people don't know is this, that every phone call that happens from anybody, I get the benefit of it. It's never been a one-way street. Not because I have 33 years and I've been trained to do some stuff and studied and whatever else. At the end of the day, I'm just like you. Doesn't make me special. Doesn't make me like, oh my gosh. It's made me a suffering alcoholic. I found the way to God. And it helps people just find the way to God. And see, I was at a, I was at a, uh, in a meeting two weeks ago. <clears throat> and uh, at a meeting that started at the church I used to work at about 20 years ago. One of Ponsis was incarcerated for over 20 years. And I met him when he had 14 and a half years. I mean, when he had six months. He had 15, 15 years now. So he came up. It was a meeting that usually has about 20 people. And there were 75 that night for whatever reason because they're all deceived because they don't say something smart. And, um, and so he, he spoke like Luis, you know, and it was great and stuff like that. And then he gives me a token. And I look at it and I go like this. I go, I'm really confused. It was an NA meeting. And I go, I'm really confused. And he says, what are you confused about? And he's very, very touchy, you know, very sensitive. And I said, I'm really confused. He says, you know, this is an AA token. This is an NA meeting. <laughs> and he says, he looks at me and he says, well, that's your program. You know, what I told Louise years ago, I'm finished with this, I've done a lot. No doubt. God's been really grateful. Grace is with me and stuff like that. Had a ministry for 16 years at a church that's only people can tell you testimonies. I don't even know what happened. But I know that I see in daily basis people from that church that are completely transformed. As a matter of fact, when response is now has the honor of being associate pastor at my own office. He became that. 
And I've been in 10 different countries preaching the Word of God. I've spoken in Kenya in front of like 4,000 people in a tent. My ceiling is your floor. Dan has done, God has done a great job with me. No doubt. But you know what? Take it farther. Do the things if you know me and you've been with me hanging out. Do the things that God's asking you to do the way you do it. Because there's only one person can do it that way, and that's you. You might try to do it like me, and it's not going to work. And by the way, you don't want to do that. See, God designed you for a purpose specifically for you. I can help you. I can talk to you. I can laugh with you. I can cry with you. Whatever. But when somebody begins to move, it begins from nothing 12 years ago, and now he's a social pastor of the church and going all over the world and was able to participate in his life for five, 40 years, then that's what's worthwhile. Sitting in my office that I have for 16 years. Think about it. It is not a God of the possible. It is the God of the impossible. And it says in the Bible that whatever you're thinking tonight is this small. Because you're thinking about it, it's whole room. So give me a chance. Thanks. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe at eastlakebba.com. You can also help us reach others by spreading the word about our podcast. Thank you for joining us today on the East Lake Big Book Awakening Podcast.